0: Welcome into a very special edition of the Field Goals Podcast, everyone. I am Dan Viennes. Thanks for joining me. Uh, It's a non-Seahawks Sunday, which means you get to watch the rest of the league, right? The Sunday night game tonight. Very important to Seahawks fans and the team, obviously, as the Giants and Commanders play each other. So, (laughs) barring another tie between these two, uh, at least one of those teams will add another loss to the loss column. Um, And that works towards... Seahawks goal making the postseason we're not going to talk about that today though we're gonna talk about that uh, Dane and I are going to discuss that on Tuesday we're gonna talk about the offseason and the draft and uh and this is always a fun subject just for me personally because I'm addicted I'm addicted to it this year more so than ever I've probably done north of 60 mock drafts already this season it it's a lot more fun when your team has a bunch of high picks. And right now, as we sit here today, uh, barring the outcome of the uh, Cardinals-Broncos game that's going on right now, um, Seahawks are sitting at 2-15, and 15, I think is where they're going to come up in the simulator. And we're going to do a live draft. A live mock draft right here. And when I say we, I mean myself and our good friend Michael Thompson of 12th Man Rising. going to bring him into the show here. If I can get uh, technical. There we go. Michael, how are you?
1: Good, Dan. How are you doing? Good.
0: So when I say I've done north of 60 mock drafts, you and I have probably shared screen grabs of probably 20 or 30 of those. At um, least. We're probably underselling it there. <laughs> I think I've met my match when it comes to uh, the addiction to mock drafts. Um, this thing really, really... Mock drafts have been a thing for a long time, but it was incumbent. I, I I liken it to the early days of fantasy football when the commissioner of the league had to get USA Today and get, go through all the agate... Box scores and manually figure out the score. The first few writers that started to do mock drafts, I remember, uh, was it Paul Zimmerman, many, many years ago. Sports Illustrated's first guy I remember doing it. He would have to do all the research himself and and uh, and just kind of work it out over the course of days or weeks. Now, just like fantasy football was revolutionized by tech, so has the mock uh, the mock draft world. And there's a number of simulators you can use. Today, we're going to use uh, the one from Pro Football Network. We both um, prefer that one. I like their big board right now the best. I also like the interface. Uh, I like that there are some scouting reports starting to populate on these guys now. So if you don't know a lot about them, you can kind of get a feel for whether they'd be a fit or not. Um, Before I tell the listeners how this is going to work today, give me, first of all, as you enter these mock drafts, Granted, I know you're like me, and sometimes you purposely do different scenarios to see how things would shake out. But if you were the GM of the Seahawks right now today, and this was a real draft you're getting ready for, with where the Seahawks roster sits and where our picks land right now, 215 in the first and second round, what's your general strategy or goal, your dream scenario going into this round, this first round?
1: So you have the golden nugget, you have the Denver pick, right? So um, if Denver, you know, I know they're in a tight game right now, there's a chance that you stay at two, there's a chance you fall a little bit. My guess is that we'll still end up being in the top four when it's all said and done. So you need to get a franchise cornerstone player there in those first four picks um and we'll, we'll talk about some of the defensive guys that are coming up i think that's going to be kind of the focus of where i'm at um, heading into this potential draft and then at 15 i think the expectation should be once again i'm getting a franchise type player is it as much of a pressure on that player compared to the second or third overall pick no but Whereas some people might be a little bit down on certain parts of this draft, I'm pretty high on, and specifically defensive um, tackles, defensive ends and edge rushers, as well as interior offensive line. And those are the three key areas where Seattle needs to get better. I think from a skill set positions, quarterback, uh, running back, wide receivers, I think Seattle has some really good quality players, even some star players. They could use a little bit more depth backup running back um, the number three receiver. It's going to be a conversation. I think Seahawks fans have talked about mm-hmm. even before we were, even before uh, Pete Carroll even got there, we were talking about who's going to be a, a number, th- good number three receiver, but those in my opinion, and I know we've talked about this before you win Super Bowls, you win division titles, you win conference championships by winning in the trenches. And so, and, and you and I, I think we were both at the, we were both at the 49ers game on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was probably the most lopsided one-score game I've ever seen. But in certain areas, I thought Seattle is closer to San Francisco, which might be the bar right now. We'll see what happens with Philadelphia and the 49ers. Um, but I think those are two the two class of the NFC teams right now. Uh, and so I think there are certain areas where Seattle is closer to San Francisco than we might have thought going into Thursday. And then, again, in the trenches, there is just a monumental mismatch right now there. Uh, and we, we have set some of the ground work with our with our two franchise uh tackles Mm -hmm. that are gonna get beat up by nick bosa and and some of these uh incredible pass rush options that the 49ers have and i think uh the eagles must have sacked justin fields probably like 25 times today before halftime from what i was seeing it was just over and over they've got like five guys that have eight to nine sacks already this year yeah that's what you need you need depth but you also need star power and so if I'm trying to get to the Super Bowl in the next two to three seasons, I have to get past Philly, and I have to get past the 49ers. And that means I need to build a great wall on offense that we're going to protect Geno, if that's the route we decide to go, or I need to make Jalen Hurts and whatever quarterback the 49ers have next year, or maybe even this year. <laughs> yeah. Could be Jimmy, could be Brock, could be Trey, right. it might be Tom Brady. We'll see who it ends up being but I need to be able to get after them. And, and even if you get to the Super Bowl, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, we're in the golden era of AFC quarterbacks, which is kind of weird because we just left it with, with Manning and Brady kind of, so to speak. So that's where I'm at kind of long-winded, but I want to build through the trenches. I I think NFL teams overlook that. They don't draft that. That should be the number one priority always before you go and get your quarterback or your luxury picks, build the trenches.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, I think what you touched on there as far as building from the trenches out is something that I think Pete Carroll's been really open the last few weeks he agrees with. And he's a guy that usually keeps things pretty close to the vest, but he's been as outspoken as I've heard him be about – and really frustration in his voice is palpable when you hear him on his coach's show, especially when he's with those guys on the radio the day after a game. He seems to be a little bit more candid on those shows sometimes. And he talks about his – you can tell how frustrated he is that they're losing battles in the trenches. And I think what it comes down to there, and hopefully he's seen a real-life example of it in how Charles Cross and Abe Lucas have played. I think for years, as we've struggled to come up with a pass rush and and get guys that can get after the quarterback, it feels to me, and this might also be just lack of high picks, right, that we draft a bunch of nice-looking players that have measurables, and Pete thinks the scheme will put them in a position to be able to succeed. But what I see more and more in this league, and you just touched on it, we saw it uh, Thursday night with Nick Bosa. We saw it today, even, even in his old age. How old's J.J. Watt now? 31, 32?
1: At, at least. Yeah. I'd, I'd say at least
0: that. And I know he's going up against a banged-up Broncos offensive line. He had three sacks, and he just overpowered. I mean, that's the thing the Seahawks lack. They have some nice players. They have some players we like up front. Certainly, Uchenna Nwosu has been a phenomenal free agent addition. Um, but they, we don't have guys that can just flat out physically maul the guy across from him and just beat the guy blocking him or two guys blocking him and get to the quarterback, not with a, not with a creative move, but just because he's physically better. We don't have those players. And when you're drafting in the top three, you got to get one of those players. And let me ask you this before we get started in that, let's say top five, just to be safe. it, It looks right now, mathematically, and you look at the remaining schedules for these teams at the top of the draft, it would be difficult to imagine the Seahawks drafting lower than three, the way it kind of looks right now. So in my mind, it's two or three. Four is an outside possibility. But let me add, let me frame my question to you first this way. Is there anyone that you see in consensus rankings projected to go in the top five that has red flags all over them that scare you? Oh, geez, I don't want to use this, this luxury pick on that guy
1: quarterbacks uh you know because i think that's what's going to happen in the top five is you're going to see um once again houston they're in an interesting spot because they have the number one pick almost guaranteed i think if they lose one more game
0: they keep trying to win games though (laughs)
1: and 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 you know what and they're they they have a, a really talented team in certain aspects but they have that black hole. You, yeah. It's a weird spot. Davis Mills is like quarterback purgatory. He's like that young guy that you're like, oh, we'll let him have a shot for the next two years if you're trying to lose, which I do believe the the Houston Texans are trying to lose. And so you're going to have the number one pick. They also have the Cleveland Browns pick, which is probably going to end up being between nine to 13. So you're kind of in the a little bit too far back if you're hoping to get into the quarterback. So I think they're going to go quarterback number one um their gm or president i can't remember who it is nick casario he's got ties with belichick that means ties with saban so i think bryce young goes number one i think he's a good quarterback i think it's a mistake i'm not drafting and putting the face of my franchise in a five foot ten hundred and eighty five pound quarterback even if he does have a golden arm
0: yeah
1: because we've seen just it, shoulder injury this year and, and these are getting tackled by sec guys who are they're they're legit players that's not jj watt like you just talked about uh you're talking the afc west you're talking about or the nfc at yeah, afc south so you're talking about deforest buckner laying on you um i don't think that's going to be good for a bryce young so that's a guy i would stay away from um i like cj stroud I would be happy taking him in the top five if this was a year in which we realized Geno Smith is not a, a realistic answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Will Levis is going to be the, the lightning rod, I think, of this draft. If not him, it'll be Anthony Richardson. But I think Bryce Young. there's a 0% chance he doesn't go in the top three. or or even the top five, maybe if someone likes CJ Stroud more, but I just wouldn't trust him there from a defensive perspective. You know, I think Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, those are, those are your locks. Those are guys are probably going two and three. Don't be totally surprised if Houston decides we'll take a quarterback at 13, whatever one might lay back or or come back, or we might try and go get uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who was drafted by Nick Casario when Nick was in uh, uh, New England. So, but an edge guy that I'd be a little bit concerned about, I know some people are really high on um, Murphy. Um, The tools are all there. It's not always there on the tape. Hmm. Now that is a very impressive Clemson defense um, That towards the end of the year wasn't very impressive. And that was kind of interesting as they were still in the college football playoff hunt. And there's a lot of good stars on there. I think they're going to end up having four guys drafted in the first round, which you would think that would, would have been good enough to get you, um, to a, to a playoff, but you know, no offense that'll kill you. So, uh, the way he disappears sometimes surprises me, but I don't think he would get past Philadelphia. Um, I personally think Philadelphia would jump all over him and they're looking at a possible top five or six pick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think that a team like Philadelphia is good as their roster already is, uh, has extra picks this coming season They um, own the draft last year, man. <laughs> they're, they're sitting pretty. Um, okay. Let's address that because it's kind of the, the elephant in the room. And I, I've talked a lot about it on this show. We're not going to get too deep into quarterbacks today. We've decided a couple of ways we're going to approach this mock draft. We're not going to mess around with trades first of all, because certainly you've touched on it. Um, I, I've played around with some slide back scenarios because there are five or six defensive players that seem to be consensus top 10 on this big board that, you know, if there's a guy the Seahawks love and they think that he might be there a couple of picks later, hey, let's move back and maybe get a future pick or, or some extra picks in this draft. But I'm, we're not going to do that today. We're just going to stay at their native picks and the picks they got from the Broncos. We're also not going to take quarterback, at least not early. We're we'll debate the merit of it at certain picks, certainly with the second first rounder. I think that's where the most debate would happen, um, depending on how the draft falls, obviously. So we're going to stay where we are. We're going to take the best player that we agree on on the board. We're going to debate. We're going to fight about it if we need to. Um, if uh, if if there's a tiebreaker, though, it is my show. So Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, again, we, we use – there's a couple other – simulators out there. I want to give some props to there's one by uh, mock draft database. It's got a cool interface and uh, all of these are formatted for your phone also, which is really cool. Cause you can just knock one out while you're waiting in line at the grocery store. Um, it's, I think I did three mock drafts while I was waiting to get my flu shot last week. Um, but, and then, um, the one I've used extensively in the past is under construction right now. The guys at uh, the draft network, um, probably add more bells and whistles to theirs than any of them. There are more things you can do and their scouting reports are more extensive. That might be why the, their refresh is taking so long. It's been offline for a couple months now. Um, so keep your eye out for that if you're someone that likes to play around with these, but we use pro football networks. It's easy. You can set it on fast, which you're going to see us do today. If you're watching the live stream, um, you'll see the screen share or if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast and you want to watch what we're doing as we're doing it, you can go uh, uh, to my YouTube page or just go to my Twitter. You'll see the, you'll see the, uh, the video feed, uh, there at Seahawks forever. Um, but you can pick how many rounds, if you just want to see how the first two rounds look, you can do that as well. We're going to go all seven rounds. We're going to set it to fast. We're going to pick the Seahawks. You can also do other teams. If you want to see, for instance, how, uh, how the Houston Texans draft affects what the Seahawks do. You can choose two teams. You can choose to draft for every single team and lay the draft out and simulate it. How you think it's going to go for every team. It's, it's pretty cool. So we're just going to hit
1: three hours. If you do it that way.
0: Oh, at least. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You're going to need (laughs) to order some DoorDash. Now, one thing I've noticed already because, uh, because the bears already lost this morning, Even though there's a game differential between the Seahawks and the Bears, um, because the Bears have played one more game, PFN has already adjusted. And so up until this point, all week long, the Seahawks have had the number two pick in the draft. As we sit here today, they have number three. Um, But I think that's good. I think it gives us, first of all, as as we can see on the screen already, let's get this up on the share so you can see it. You can see that one, one of our early debates... Yeah, one of our early debates is already off the board. So sitting at two, the biggest debate, if Houston goes quarterback. And here they take C.J. Stroud, not Bryce Young, which usually they do. Um, The debate at number two is Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, versus Will Anderson, the edge guy from Alabama. That's a debate you and I have had over and over. You prefer Anderson. I prefer Carter. In this case, the Chicago Bears take Jalen Carter, which I think is a really, as much as they need help on, on the offensive line, I think that's a, this is a really viable scenario. So it leaves the Seahawks sitting at number three um, in your mind at number three is Will Anderson a no brainer.
1: Yeah. I think I'd be jumping up and down around the room if that happens here in uh, late April or early May, whenever the draft ends up being uh, he's the number one guy on my board. Uh, I definitely understand all the love for Jalen Carter. I do not dislike Jalen Carter. I think in most years Uh, I would take Jalen Carter number one overall in this draft. I might even wake up tomorrow and like Jalen Carter more. Uh, Will Anderson Jr. Has been the best edge rusher in college football since he stepped onto the field. Um, 2020 season. Kind of a COVID year, so kind of a weird season. But his team is arguably one of the greatest teams of all time. They'll never get that nod because of the COVID season, but that's the Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. Um, and you had a freshman, Will Anderson, who I believe had 10 and a half sacks um in a shortened season that year and harassed Justin Fields in the national championship. Then last year was without doubt the greatest season we have ever seen from a from an edge defensive lineman edge rusher pass rusher Everyone to consider him last year um broke an ncaa record with 31 tackles for losses yeah in in 15 games uh had 17 and a half sacks and this isn't not trying to knock on any other conferences this isn't the mountain west this isn't the aac this isn't even other lower power five conferences this is the sec that we're talking about here and then they go out and then they go play in the college football playoff and then they go play Georgia in the national championship and if uh stetson bennett doesn't get hot for the last six or seven minutes will anderson probably wins mvp of that championship game mm. he was incredible so was jalen carter in that same game can't yeah. forget jalen carter was probably the most impressive guy on film when you watched last year's national championship team. Um, And Will Anderson has not been as dominant this year. But then again, he still goes out and wins the best defensive player of the year award. He still gets double digit sacks. Um, He still has a chance to rack up an insane amount of tackles, tackles for loss and sacks as he's going to play in the Sugar Bowl. We've talked about this before. I don't knock on on people that are a big fan of their star sitting out of a bowl game that yeah. isn't, you know, a college football playoff. But I'm really, really excited to see Will Anderson play in that sugar bowl against probably one of like the eight best teams in college football right now in Kansas state, who is playing really, really well. And they have a killer offensive line. I'm really excited to see him. Um, tell, me talking or, about, tell me yeah, this. Tell me this
0: about Anderson. So, they have him listed here at 6'4", 235. That seems awfully light. Is that accurate? From what I, everything I had seen before,
1: it's around two forty 240, two forty five. 245, but I mean... Because he looks to me, so
0: I we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. And maybe I just haven't watched the right games. And maybe it's only because I focused on this year where Alabama hasn't had, you touched on this, they haven't had that, that defensive line that's just chock full of high first-round pro- prospects. Teams have been able to put more focus in their blocking schemes and play calling on neutralizing Will Anderson. Um, and so I haven't seen that dominant guy that, but I read every single scouting report and they all say he's powerful. He's uber athletic. He has the best get off in the country. He, he does have those long levers. He looks like an old school, uh, true Pete Carroll, um, Chris Clemens kind of, um, Edge rusher. I am blanking on the the terminology they use for that. Uh the Leo. The Leo in the Pete Carroll system. But and and, and we're gonna talk about this more in the offseason. The biggest question right now is are the Seahawks gonna stick with this three four scheme they transitioned to this year that hasn't worked, or are they gonna go back to more of a four three? Cause this guy looks like what we have already. That in this scheme he'd play outside linebacker with Chenanuosu and Boye Mafe and Daryl Taylor. Um I haven't seen that dominating presence, but I may just be watching the wrong games. Kids, every every other scout out there is on the same page as you are with Will Anderson. We're taking him here at three. Uh, but I will say this though, if just personally, again, unless I see something that changes in my mind and I'm certainly going to seek it out and we're going to watch the combine and we're going to watch, um, you know, the whole draft process unveil itself. And I'm going to watch more tape on this guy, as especially once we know exactly what our draft position is. Mm-hmm. But if I'm sitting at three and Jalen Carter's off the board because that's the guy I wanted, I am looking to move back a few picks because there's guys, you know, you know what a Tyree Wilson fan I am from Texas Tech. Um, And he's actually still available in this, as we sit now at our 15th pick, Tyree Wilson is still on the board, which I don't think is realistic. I don't think he's going to last until the 15th pick. Um, But that's that's something I'm going to look to do. So now we sit at 15 and this is where it gets interesting. Because... If you get the edge guy early, which they did, if you get Carter early, there's some edges in this range that would make a lot of sense that are rated around this, this area that would fit a need and you could pair him with Carter. And now you're taking care of two of your biggest needs in, in two picks. But if you go Anderson early, this middle part of the first round is kind of a black hole. There's no interior defensive lineman at this, at this range, except maybe Brian Brzee, who's kind of a hybrid, um, that jump off the page. And so now you get into where this clump of players that you see on their big board, I'd be interested to see how yours matches up, are primarily positions that most people don't seem to think are a priority for the Seahawks. There's a lot of corners. This is this is kind of the the ledge where the corners are going to start to go, I think, in this first round. There's Bijan Robinson, the top running back in the draft. There's a couple of receivers. This is a sort of this wide receiver class is up for debate. Um, there is Noah Sewell, uh, a real versatile, big, rangy, physical linebacker from Oregon. There is Brian Brzee, who who can play interior, but can also play the edge in a 3-4. And then you get into Michael Mayer, the top tight end in the draft. Um and then Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle from Georgia. What are your thoughts sitting here at fifteen with how this board matches up, uh, and who your best player available is right here?
1: So, thinking that I just acquired, uh, you know, even if if it's not you know the next Von Miller, I've got a guy that's probably with Nuosu gives me a top twelve pass rush duo in the NFL between Willie Anderson and Nuosu. No- and so I'm feeling good there thinking that now I have Daryl Taylor and boy Maffe Terrell, Terrell, I believe Taylor, I'm sorry, would be in a contract year, I believe. Um, so you've got some hunger there and you got Maffe. So that's a nice little quartet of pass rushers. Would I add another one later on? For sure. Mm-hmm. But now I'm sitting here and it's like, okay, so I definitely have a need on interior defensive line. Uh, you and I kind of are both on the same page that Tyree Wilson won't be here. Uh, if if he was here, I would have a really hard time not taking him and just saying, "Hey, Nuosu, Wilson, and, and Will Anderson Jr., we're just coming after you, and we'll figure out our our defensive tackles in the second round." Which I am actually really high on a couple of of second round projects, uh, projected second round defensive tackles. But like you kind of just talked about as well, uh, you know, my my draft philosophy is trenches, and then I need guys that can stop. Uh, you know, can shut down a quarterback through the air, shut down a top tier receiver or I need receivers that can do that. There's no receivers in this draft that are worthy of a pick at 15. I think Quentin Johnson already went in our mock here. I like Quentin Johnson. I wouldn't take him until later of the first round. I believe he probably goes,
0: he went number five, he went number five to Arizona here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So really like him big body uh, reminds me of Larry Fitzgerald. So that's kind of interesting that he goes to Arizona. Uh, So I'm looking here as, Hey, I like Keely Ringo. He's my number one corner. Um, I think he gets some flack that's unnecessary. Every time I turn on the tape, he's intercepting, he's hitting people. Um, He's the best cornerback in football, in my opinion. And then I would say it's almost an identical tie between Joey Porter Jr. and Christian Gonzalez. Um, Gonzalez has the stats this year. Joey Porter does not because people don't throw at Joey Joey Porter in the Big Ten.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I like Cam Smith, but those are my two top corners. So you got to kind of ask yourself, do you want to just go all out on an edge rusher, Do you want to take a defensive tackle, or do you want to have a cornerback that you could pair with Tariq Woolen and would instantly give you the best one two punch in the NFL in terms of corners if they hit? Um, And so that's where I would be a little interested in getting greedy. I've told you before, I'm a big fan of Michael Mayer. I don't think you're going to be able to get as talented of a tight end um, in this situation ever again. But we've already committed finances to Will Disley. We've committed to Noah Fant uh, for next year. Noah looked great against the 49ers. Um, That's that's great to see. He has been known to be somewhat of not the most physically imposing tight end. For him to have a successful game against the most physical team in the NFL is exciting to see. Um, And I think Gino having him as someone he can go to is really interesting here. So um, I like... Uh, Bresi, I don't like him at 15, but I wouldn't be upset or, or 16, whatever the pick is. If we took him, um, I'm more interested in a, in a cornerback. If we're not taking Tyree Wilson,
0: you know, I, it, it's interesting. Um, Brazil is a guy that uh, a buddy of mine turned me on to early, early in the season. He was one of his favorite players in the draft. Um, and I've, I've watched, I've watched games as much as I can. And again, I just don't see a guy that that takes over moments Um and I've read enough scouting reports, there is some concern that he's just not all the way back from the injury he suffered in 21, uh, and that maybe he will be get some of that explosion and power back next year. Um, just to recap, people, um, all the quarterbacks are gone. So in our simulator, Bryce Young went, uh, CJ Stroud went one overall. Bryce Young went four to the Lions. Anthony Richardson went seven to Atlanta and Will Levis went eight to Carolina. Will Levis has been tied to Carolina for a long time. Their owner has been unabashedly honest about how much he loves him. Um, Drafting Will Levis and coaching him may be a requirement for whoever they hire as a head coach. Mm -hmm. They may have to sign off on that plan. The interesting thing here, though, is Richardson going seven. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we could talk about this for half an hour, but I know you've run into the same thing. Anytime I ever mention on Twitter that I'm in favor of Anthony Richardson, and I posted a mock draft last week where I took him at 15 or 16, wherever the Seahawks were at that time, with their native pick, and it got more traffic than any tweet that I've put out in the last couple of years. He is such a polarizing prospect because he drips traits. He, just, he looks like you put traits into a quarterback making machine and and they spit this guy out. But in his limited um, starts, you know, he's only had the one full season and then, and then some opportunities as a backup last year at Florida. Um, You know, the numbers haven't been there. And he, and while he, the second half of this last season, he looked a lot better in the first half. People are going to look at the completion percentage of 155%. They're going to look at the picks early in the season and they're going to see a guy um, that they don't think is worth taking in the first round, but just, as, as quickly as we can talk about this, because I know what your answer is going to be. If Anthony Richardson's on the board at 15 here, and he's and he's not in Atlanta like he is in the simulation, are you pounding the table? Or are, are you talking to your scouts about taking him right now?
1: So, not to be too dramatic here, but I'm looking at Green Bay at 11. If Anthony Richardson has not been selected there, I'm calling... If I'm John Schneider, I'm calling my buddies over in Green Bay and I say, hey, what would it take to go from 15 to 11? Um, that's and that's where I'd be looking at taking an Anthony Richardson. Um, I don't think Anthony Richardson gets out of the top 12. Uh, I think that number 10 range, someone is going to take a bite at the potential at Apple. You have a guy that runs like prime Cam Newton, and he has been told or uh, has been said that he throws the ball too hard. Uh, right. I remember that being talked about with uh, a Patrick Mahomes. I remember that being talked about with the Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, the accuracy are fair concerns. They were fair concerns for Mahomes and Allen and Cam Newton. I believe in the McVay system, uh, there's a the Shane Waldron system. There is a lot of easy throws. And with a year of developing and sitting behind a Geno Smith, you could be setting yourself up. With a will Anderson or Jalen Carter to still try and go win a Super Bowl in the next two or three years while also making sure that ten to twelve years from now you're still in the hunt. And now you're looking at a window after Pete Carroll for a decade in which you're still good. and at that point you've been good for twenty years because you've you've made the right risky choices in the draft, um, trading Russell Wilson at the right time. And so that's you this Seahawk pick is now people view the Denver pick kind of as a bonus, and it is. I view the Seahawk one as kind of an interesting one where you can get a little frisky there, and that's why I'm saying like people like um Brisset, people like Noah Sewell. I personally don't take linebackers in the first round. I take trench receivers, yeah. corners, or quarterbacks. And if I can get a star quarter cornerback, that's great. But and as great as a, a Joey Porter Jr. might be, if Anthony Richardson is there at 15 man, I'm going to take them and I'm going to yeah. sit them because I still got two picks in the second round. I still got two more starters on my defense or my offensive line that I could add. And I don't even think necessarily something Geno Smith could be upset about.
0: And he, here's the funny thing, and here's how fans are. they'll So many of them will, will scream to the high heavens if the Seahawks were to take Anthony Richardson at 15. But they'll probably be just as upset, not as upset, but pretty darn upset if they go corner here too. Because I could just hear the fan base now. We don't need a corner. We're deep there. We've got you know we've got uh, a future All Pro in Tariq Woolen on one side. Mike Jackson was solid as all heck on the other side. And Trey Brown came back healthy, and we've got depth there. And we've got Kobe Bryant who can move back outside again. I I think I think fans would be pretty upset if they went corner here, but obviously, and and I'm on the same page with you. If Anthony Richardson's sitting there, and if John Schneider, who has a history of Developing crushes on quarterbacks mm-hmm. that have gone on to be great players, right? Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, He's even got an eye. even when he had an All Pro quarterback in his hands, if he falls in love with Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, and Levis should fall to fifteen,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't hesitate to say, in any way, shape, or form, that that hey, he might take him. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I think yeah. I think badly. It may not happen this year. If it doesn't, it'll happen next year, regardless of of what they do with Geno Smith. I think John Schneider badly wants to kind of, I I don't want to say reestablish his legacy, because him being all over Russell Wilson and taking him where he took him is, is a legendary general manager moment in history. But it didn't end well, and he's not happy with how that went. He's not happy that he had to trade his franchise quarterback that it came to that. And I think he wants to, he wants to wash his mouth out and, and, and take the next guy. Um, but in this scenario, fans are going to be happy to know that that that's not even an option. And there's no mm-hmm. other quarterback that makes sense in this position at all. The oh. the pool has been thin, thin Marge, uh, has been really thinned by guys staying in school for the most part and guys getting hurt. Um, but I like your cornerback idea, and, and my preference here is Gonzalez. I think he's he's been under fire. He's, he's played against some of the best quarterbacks in the country, and I've read some reports that, that all agree that he, he looks like a poster child uh, for a Pete Carroll corner. And if you have an opportunity where the pick just lines up with best player available at a position that most people might not think is a need – but you can have two lockdown corners. Maybe it allows you to do some things on defense now that can help you sell out more against the run that can help you to get after the quarterback a little bit. What do you think about Gonzalez here at 15?
1: Yeah. Uh, I believe if you can click on him really quick, does it have his size? I believe he's 6'2", 6'2", 201 pounds. So he fits that long profile uh he has i believe five interceptions on the year he's got almost if not over 50 tackles so this is a cornerback that's not afraid to hit uh he is an absolute stud uh i also like really like joey porter but then again like what we're talking about here the offenses are a lot different in the pack 12 than they are in the big 10 much more conservative in the big 10 um I can see scenarios where they just choose not to throw at him. I believe they're similar sizes. I think Christian's a little bit bigger, right?
0: Yeah, same height, Porter's five pounds lighter.
1: Yeah, and so I'd be happy with either one. I will say as a Seahawk fan, knowing who Joey Porter Jr.'s dad is, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have the tie go to Christian Gonzalez because I'll never forgive Joey Porter for Super Bowl 40.
0: There you go. Boom. All right. Uh, So we go corner. Brian Brzee goes right after our pick. And now we're into the second round. Um, and there's the other thing I wanted to address at 15 in, in case people are sitting at home screaming at their, at their phone or their radio or, or however they're listening to the show. Um, we need a center. We need a guard. They're just, that's a little high anyway for interior offensive line. And in this big board, this draft class, there just isn't really a consensus guy. That's available at 15 that makes sense to draft that high. Anyone at that point would be a reach.
1: Yeah. And trust us, guys, there are centers that Dan and I have talked about that we're super high on that we can get on day two or even day three. There, there are, this is a very good interior offensive line draft if you're looking for guys that can start right away that you can still draft in the third, fourth, and fifth round. There is all American offensive linemen that are seniors that can plug and play right away that it's going to be a few more picks before they're even considered on here.
0: And for that reason, I, I love watching centers. Um, This is something that I realized a couple of years ago. Pete and John don't. It's, it's also, yeah, it's been something I've been watching for many years. Um, It's, this is a fun center class. And it's one of the reasons that I'm not even thinking about going center um, for a while, because I know it's deep and I know I can get a guy that can start as a rookie, you know, in that Abe Lucas range this year, if not later.
1: And be immediately better than Austin Blythe.
0: Yeah. Immediately. It's it's funny. The beginning of the season, you know, there were there were people singing his praises that, hey, he was a real, he was a fit in that scheme. He was an upgrade over Ethan Posick, who actually went on to Cleveland and was playing really well before he got hurt. Um, but it just seems like maybe it's in combination with how poor Gabe Jackson's been, and he's just not getting any help on that side. But it just seems like Blythe is the Achilles heel of that offense right now in teams of have honed in on him and they're just steamrolling him. Certainly was the case on Thursday night. Uh, Round two gets off to an interesting start, an edge that we both like. Jared Verse is taken by Houston first there. And then Green Bay goes Hendon Hooker, which is a guy that we probably would have discussed at least at the 48th pick. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, probably going to sit on injured reserve for the entire year, suffered his third career ACL tear, the Tennessee quarterback a guy that we both really like um, because he he honestly looks sort of like a carbon copy of Geno Smith, R- yeah, real similar. Early. Yeah. Similar physically and, and the way they throw the football. It's just kind of an interesting comp, um, but he's off the board too. So once again, we're not even considering quarterback here. Um, fans would be happy to know that. So we're at 34. We have an edge rusher. We have a corner. Is this where you start to look at interior defensive line? Or are you just looking at best player available? Another
1: a Denver Bronco pick, which you can look at it as your luxury pick um, if you want to go that route. And so for me, uh, I'm not leaving the second round without at least one defensive tackle. This is something I've done quite a bit in the mocks. Um, I have gone edge and best player available with my first round picks and then try to attack the interior defensive line. Uh, I think the big question here, and it's an answer we won't know until probably draft night because I think the Seahawks will answer this question for us, is what do you do with – I'm sorry, we'll know before the draft is in free agency, what do you do with Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams? Yeah, Quandre Diggs has not been good enough uh, in terms of what he's getting paid this year. Uh, you and I were texting each other uh, right after that digs interception that should have been Mm -hmm. that I think you could have taken that and ran for at least 20, 30 yards. You're looking at potentially for sure a 10 point swing in the game there when the game was still definitely in the balance. I mean, Seattle is definitely that boxer that's kind of hiding in the corner, trying to get a few jabs here and there. That would have been a haymaker that could have changed the game and put pressure on Purdy. Uh, And that could even have been a 14 point swing. We'll never know. Yeah. But he has not fulfilled his contract. Jamal Adams has not fulfilled his contract. And it's some of that's not his fault. Some of that is his fault. And uh, he's got a major injury. And so kind of, I guess, where I was getting a little mixed up here, you can cut both of these guys next year and save, I believe it is $24 million in salary cap if you cut them after June 1st. It's way Mm, less. Spread it out over uh, two seasons, yeah. Yeah. So you can cut them after June first and save yourself twenty-four million dollars, which means you can give Gino that money plus a little more because he's gonna make a little bit more than twenty-four, I'd guess. Yeah. And you can still go out and go maybe go after something. You want to go get a number three receiver in free agency. You want to go after a defensive tackle, like a Deron Payne, possibly. Hmm. Um, if those are things you're interested in, that's never been the Schneider way to go out and get a big free agent pass rush. Bennett and Averill were moderate signings, second second wave signings that turned into stars. So in that situation, if, in my opinion, the best safety in the draft, JL Skinner out of Boise State, guys, this is a... B-plus version of Cam Chancellor. He is a little bit smaller, but he is faster, and he can play the free safety and hit like Cam, or he can be like Cam and play that strong safety and be a disruptor in the run game for you if you decide to go that route. I love this guy. Uh, He's carried that Boise State defense to nine wins this year. Um, If they had a little bit better of an offense, they might even have earned the, the big New Year's six bid. And so he's a stud. Uh, you go a little bit farther down to the defensive tackles. So, so really quick, if, if JL Skinner gets drafted, we know at least one of Diggs or Adams are getting cut in in the summer, right after the draft. Yeah. So if that happens, then Seattle could definitely be a player for after the summer, and that's kind of the bummer with the post June first cut you miss out on using that money you would save, but that goes to 2023 and 2024 year. So you can become a player then in free agency and stuff like that. So if I'm not taking Skinner, cause I'm going to give Diggs and Adams another year and another chance to come back and give them a shot before I, Move on from them. Um, I think you've got some really good pass rushers here. You, uh, at the defensive tackle, you've got Can't uh, Cansey from
0: Pittsburgh. So I wanted um, to ask you about him. He yes. He's a guy that um, I was not familiar with until I read about him in a, in a Rob Staten column. Um, and Rob loves this guy. He's such yes. a unique player because he's so undersized, listed at six foot, 276 pounds, defensive tackle, interior defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. Is this Is he, and I've, and I've seen his tape and it's easy to fall in love with him. He's dynamic. He's a little wrecking ball. He's so quick. His hand usage is great. He looks bigger than he's listed. Is he only a fit if the Seahawks decide to go back to a four three as a three tech? Can he fit in a three, four at all?
1: I don't think he's a good fit in the 3-4. Um, <clears throat> so if you're going the 3-4, there is a defensive tackle a little bit farther down. Not even too much farther down, I believe, around the 50s. That is a perfect fit of a mountain of a man. Yep. Ika? Yep. Mm-hmm. From Baylor. That is the man that blocks out the sun. 6-4, uh,
0: 351.
1: Yes. And he is a, we're talking about comps here. Um, less of a pass rusher, but maybe even a better run defender than Vita Vea. Um, similar similar style play though. Um, he's been a dominant force. Uh, was probably the best defensive player on Baylor's Big 12 championship team last year that won the Sugar Bowl. If you're going to three four, you need that big guy in the middle that makes things easier for Nuosu and for. Uh, uh, any of your defensive linemen that are going to be on the ground. Um, if you're going to the four, three, which I think you and I are on the same page. And a lot of people are, is that Seattle should go back to that four, uh, three, in my opinion, stop screwing around um, with things that aren't working. It's been 15 games, 14 games now, and this defense doesn't look like it's getting any better. They look lost out there specifically. Our linebackers look lost, but if you go back to that four, three, now you're putting Will Anderson on the ground here Um rush coming after that edge rusher. And it would be great to pair Will Anderson with, with Kansy Kansy the best has had the best tape and the best stats of any defensive tackle this season in college football hmm. in, a, in a solid conference, I believe he's got seven and a half sacks, um, which is really impressive from a defensive tackle. That is probably the most recognized guy on his team. And so all the focus is on him and for him to still be able to get that from his size. He's a bowling ball. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting, Dynamic and stuff, and so um, I—I'll be honest, I'm not even opposed of going defensive tackle back to back and taking Cansey and Ika if they if they both worked out like that. Interesting. If you're go- if you're going to a four three, because at that point, Will Anderson, Cansey, Ika, you're not you're not moving, you're not running the ball, and we're gonna be able to put put pressure on you and stuff. So, you know, I think everybody is pretty much on the same page that our trenches, especially on the defensive end, is lacking. And so if we're taking three of our first four picks towards that, and then we're getting a big physical corner, that's going to make it harder for a quarterback to find time to throw to someone. I think that's really successful.
0: There are some linebackers in this range as well. Henry Toho out of Alabama, um, more of an inside backer. Um, and then some really interesting rangy long, almost Reminiscent of K.J. Wright type guys. and uh, Drew Sanders of Arkansas, who's 71 on this big board. He's 6'5", 234 as an outside mm-hmm. backer um, that I that I think from what I've read is probably going to go much higher than this. DeMarvian Overshone just announced today he's declaring for the draft. He's 6'4", 220, really rangy, former safety. A guy like Jack Campbell, 6'3", 207, uh, real kind of blue-collar, workman-like. Uh, is this a little too early still for you to be thinking linebacker?
1: Yeah. And the reason why I think that is people also forget Miami doesn't have their first round pick. So this pick at 34 is almost another first round pick. Yeah, That's just me being a stickler with my principles where uh, I think I can find linebackers in the third, fourth, fifth round. That will be better than Cody Barton. Sorry to the Cody, Cody Barton lovers out there. (laughs) Uh, I've been extremely unimpressed with Jordan Brooks this year and, and, he's going to end up having really great stats. He might even mess around and make a pro bowl because of his stats.
0: Yeah. He's um, doing well in the voting.
1: Yeah. You watch the tape. That's He's not playing like a pro bowler. Um, almost all those plays to Kittle are mostly Jordan Brooks's fault. I know there was the Tariq Woolen one. But, yeah. you know, that's just a guy that you drafted in the first round to be a star linebacker and lead your defense in the post-Wagner era. I think it's been pretty clear right now. As bad as our defensive front line is, you could even make a case our linebackers is the weakest part of our our team. But I think we can get good value there later on in in reboot. I like um, Henry uh, To'o To'o, but uh, I would not take him there. So, okay. Okay. Um, I, I'm I'm either going defensive line or I would take Skinner.
0: Uh, and I'm with you, and partly because there's an outside linebacker that I know that you know that I'm in love with that on this big board I know is going to be available later and we can circle back to that. So I think it comes down to Skinner or Kansi. Um, And I would lean Cancy here simply because while the Seahawks have shown a history of cutting their losses and not being afraid to admit when there's, when they've made a mistake, um, they've invested so much in Adams and digs, I'm not sure I see them making that big of a move. And seeing as how we took corner at 15, I don't see them using two of their top three picks in this draft, two of their top three gifts from the Broncos on the secondary. Mm -hmm. And I think Cansey's such a unique player. And I could see Carroll and the Seahawks defensive staff falling in love with him and figuring out a way to use him. He's so unusual he kind of screams Seahawk to me. And uh, I I love Skinner too. I just don't know that they're going to go safety that high.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like I, as a GM, I'd be a little bit nervous about Kansi size and just like, man, how's that going to work when he's going against the best of the best. But the tape shows it, the guys, the guys, like I said it again, he is a wrecking ball. He is a bowling ball that is going to not only improve your run game um, this is a guy that makes you not have to give necessarily Puna Ford ten or eleven million dollars in free agency. You yeah. don't want to do that, yeah, because his He's contract guy- is
0: up. And 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 I am operating under the assumption that that even if they don't come out and admit their mistake and 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 declare that they're switching back to a four three, that we are going to see more of those principles next year. We're already starting to see more of them at least during the phases this year where the run defense has been a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel about going cancy here?
1: I love it. Let's get the bowling ball and right. pit.
0: Let's go. Aaron Donald 2.0. There you go. Uh, all right. We're going to reject some trade offers. Now we're sitting at 48. Ooh, man. So you can see oh. who's at the top of the board right now. You talked about doubling up on defensive tackle. There's your boy, Siaki Ika, out of mm-hmm. Baylor, sitting right there. Um Unfortunately, here's a guy that we probably would have talked about too at number sixty, Andre Carter. Really interesting, rangy, technically listed as an outside linebacker, looks more like an edge guy. But um, there's some legislation. It seems like they've been waffling back and forth on this over the last couple of years. Uh, he's out of army and he may not have the opportunity to even play professional football. Um, at really this point, love that guy. Yeah, and let's look at the offense too, because this is where you start to see some value. And in it, some of this stuff, you see this in the simulators you see things sometimes that you just know are not going to happen. We're not going to get to pick 48 and have Michael Mayer, the tight end you talked about out of Notre Dame, still be on the board. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got some offensive tackles. This could be a range where you start to think interior offensive line, although the best two centers are off the board Um, in Cedric Van Pran uh, out of Georgia and uh, Michael John Schmitz from Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Uh, now you're down into the Luke Whippler range and actually if you look at this big board this kind of answers our question the next high li- highest rated center is their 99th ranked prospect and we're at pick 48 so we're not going to think about centers okay. and, and really
1: quick if you go back to those centers yeah um like how, what we were talking about earlier Whippler uh Forsythe, Forsyth Tippmann, I would like I would rank those guys all above a uh, Georgia center so that's just kind of where why I'm saying mm-hmm. I'm open to waiting. Yeah. I really like all three of or four of those guys over Van Pran. Um Schmitz is clear the number one guy, and he'll probably go first or second pick in the second round, I guess, if not even be a first, late first round pick in the actual draft. But there's so much depth at the center position there. That's that's you've got choices in the fourth and fifth round.
0: There's some value here at receiver. Um a couple of Tennessee guys, Cedric Tillman, he's more of the long rangey guy. I think he's six three. Um Jalen Hyatt, who's really dynamic, um, who some people thought actually, has he declared or has he said he's,
1: I have not heard that he has declared, but I okay. believe he is playing in the orange bowl, which is exciting. There
0: has been some talk that he might come back that he didn't quite raise his draft stock as, as high as people thought he would this year. He's six mm-hmm. foot, much more dynamic with the football yards after catch type of guy the Seahawks want uh, or need that we all agree. Mm-hmm. Zay flowers is a guy that I've come on to late only five, 10, 177. Uh, probably the, the, the best yards after catch guy in this draft, according to some people I've talked to. Um, My only issue there is that's what they thought D. Eskeridge was going to be. We're only a year removed from him being drafted. I don't know that they're willing to kick him to the curb in in lieu of a guy at pick 48 who's kind of from the same mold. Are there any receivers that you're thinking about taking here this early?
1: Probably not, but... uh... I really like Jalen Hyatt. Uh, if he really was there at 48, I'd have a really hard time. Uh, I think long and hard about taking him. Again, I think you and I have just been really adamant, as much as the Seattle fan you know, community and social media has been, is we need to fix the trenches. But a guy like Hyatt adds a whole other dimension for for Geno Smith. Um, you've got Tyler Lockett. That's a great Number one receiver, you got DK Metcalf. That's another great number one receiver, but neither of those guys this year specifically are getting any yards after the catch like very, yeah. very little yards mm-hmm. after the catch. Um, Lockett had that nice 36 yard touchdown against the Rams, um, the Rams JV squad, but you get a guy like Hyatt that can open up your offense because that's what Escridge was supposed to be, but um. Can't stay healthy. Can't stay on the field. Yeah. Um, same issue with the last few draft picks that Seattle has taken when looking for a number three receiver who is small and fragile, a Paul Richardson, a, Dwe- a DS Gridge, um, Some of these guys that I just would rather have a guy that's a little bit more durable and Hyatt, in my opinion, other than Marvin Harrison Jr was probably the best receiver in college football this year. Um, he kind of only ran two routes this year, um, a deep route. And then uh, a, quick slant and he ended up having a zillion yards and a zillion touchdowns. And then even when hooker got hurt, he still had a big game with, uh, I believe it's Joe Milton is the quarterback of Tennessee now. So if I took him and that's my number three receiver for the next three years before Tyler Lockett probably hangs him up, I'd be stoked. I think that's a huge win. Is that more valuable than another immediate day one starting edge rusher or or a defensive tackle? Um, That depends on how you kind of want to build your team. But you could not go wrong with a with a Hyatt. But if he hasn't declared yet, and that may I I would start to think he's not going to
0: declare. Yeah, it sounds like maybe he, he 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 might stay in school. Um, but
1: if, if you have a big game against Clemson's defense in the Orange yeah. Bowl with a backup quarterback, he might mess around and get drafted earlier in the second round than we think.
0: Or he just might get uh, some more NLI money. <laughs> and you got you don't you
1: can't discount a place like Tennessee it's changed it's
0: changed everything you know we're gonna we're gonna talk uh, you know after the season's over about the twenty twenty four quarterback class because that's changed dramatically now because so many guys are staying in school that we didn't think we're going to and it's all because of NLA. Yeah. um so it wouldn't be the Seahawks if we didn't talk about running backs Um but. But I don't want to spend a lot of time in this draft discussing them because I think that situation is going to clear itself up before the draft. I think there seems to be a growing sentiment that it's possible that Rashad Penny could sign another one-year deal that you and I were just texting yesterday about um, how flooded the running back market is going to be this offseason between guys with expiring contracts like high-level, um, Saquon Barkley-type running backs that are going to be free agents and also uh, a really deep uh, class in this draft as well. Um, Seahawks are all going to, always going to be looking – to add some depth and uh, um, and quality to their running back room, but as for the purposes of this draft, I I just I think it's premature because I think they'll they'll um, firm up some of what's going on in that running back room before the draft even arrives. I like your idea. I think we saw it last year. I think the Seahawks did some things last year um, as far as how they approached the draft that were different than we've seen, and one of them was they're not afraid to attack a position of need uh and and be redundant because we saw it with the offensive tackles last year using two of their top four picks on offensive tackles because Kansi who we took with our last pick was such a unique player and because Pete Carroll agrees with you and has talked about how the trenches just are not good enough and because they want to stop the run i love the idea of taking Siaki Ika here and pairing the the giant two gapper the, the guy that can just take on multiple blockers and occupy people, maybe make Jordan Brooks a better linebacker. Give Kansi and those edge guys some more opportunities. And and he, he's so different than what Kansi does, and a lot of those guys on the defensive line are at the end, end of their contracts or in their 30s. Let's take another defensive tackle here.
1: Yeah, you don't have to pay Puna now. You might not even have to pay Al Woods unless Al Woods wants to be part of a Super Bowl run, if you're kind of thinking that. Brian uh, Monet like now with
0: an ACL. He's he's not going to be ready to go at the beginning of the season.
1: Monet, yeah. And like you said, it's not even like Pete Carroll even kind of hinted at. He very clearly on the Brock and Sox show said, everything is being ran the way we're supposed to run it. There ha- There is not a miscommunication in there. It's just an execution issue, yeah. is kind of what I'm paraphrasing, which is a very polite way of Pete Carroll saying, We're not good enough to stop the run. And that starts with the two beasts in what we're hoping is a 4 3. And you put the biggest dude that you can get in this draft for that position yes. that is going to swallow up the run game for you. Because right now, the Seahawks have the 31st run defense. Um, And the only reason why they're not 32 is because the Houston Texans are trying to lose. Yeah. So, like, like put that in perspective. (laughs) We are the worst rush defense in football in terms of legitimate NFL teams right now. You put Ika there, he alone probably shoots you up five spots just immediately. You add Will Anderson Jr., who is known to be a very talented rush, uh, a running running defender at uh, uh, containing the edge. You add a Kansi who is an all-around guy. All of a sudden you're looking at those three with Nuosu. That's a that's a heck of a front four right there. Yeah. Whether you're in a 3-4 gets kind of weird with Kansi or you go to a 4-3, I love that. You let those young guys play. I don't think it's unrealistic to go from 31st in rush defense to what 18 hmm. 15 maybe. I mean, if things go right, like I know that's a sizable jump, but that jump right there means you don't lose to Atlanta. You don't lose to New Orleans. You maybe don't lose to Carolina. You might not lose to Tampa. Like you don't lose to the Raiders. And it lets so that's five games right there. If you go three and two, we're talking about being a 10 win football team right now. And we're, we're fighting for the NFC West still, even though we had, it's probably over now that we had lost to the 49ers. But, People talk about we were talking about. There's areas where we're so far away. Um One person I really agree with a lot on their takes is Jeff Simmons. I believe yeah. from, from Hawk blog. Yeah. Jeff's great. really, really even keel um, thought process. And I think he kind of talked about it. It appears we're farther away than we normally are. And I, I don't disagree with him necessarily, but I think if you have a league average defensive front seven or front four, I think that's worth two to three wins. And now we're talking about a team that is clearly in the playoffs right now. And now we're playing for, for seeding then. And that's a huge difference than where we're at right now. Yeah. And we we did it for cheap. And so now we have three premium defensive line players that we don't have to pay for four or five years.
0: Well, and this is about knowing who you are, right? And and this is also under the assumption that we've taken care of quarterbacks. Somehow, some way they're going to lock up Geno Smith at minimum on the franchise tag and that he's going to be your guy next year. Because mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes now, it just doesn't seem like it makes sense to go quarterback in this draft. Let's shore up the rest of this roster, and then let's let's see how far we can go with Gino. Let's think about grooming our next guy the following year. So you've got Will Anderson, to some people the consensus best player in this draft at the edge. You have another lockdown corner to add to Tariq Wollin at Christian Gonzalez. And then the two really unique defensive tackles, Kalijah Kansi and Siaki Ika. Now we're at pick 79. Um this is the the big board overall. Next highest rated player on their board is Blake Corum, the running back out of Michigan. There's an offensive tackle. Um there's kind of there's a little pocket of skill position guys here, some running backs. There is a safety, Ear Brown out of Penn State. Um you're getting into skill position guys now. You've addressed your biggest needs on defense outside of safety. Is there a specific Need at this range that you're hoping to address or are you just looking at this big board and saying who's the best player on it?
1: Yeah, I think once I've taken care of and like we talked about the first two rounds you take Trench players unless you can get a special type of corner or receiver or quarterback. So now here I'm just looking at what is great value um, As how well it matches up with something that I might be interested in upgrading a because the production's not good enough right now, or B, this person might be a free agent soon, and I don't plan on paying them. And so you're looking at a situation where Blake Corum was one of the best running backs in college football this year, but I think Seattle's going to re-sign Penny for a year, and we have Kenneth Walker for a couple years. And so even though he's a good player, I wouldn't be upset taking him there. Um, I think we're set in the running back situation. So now I'm kind of looking at certain things, such as like a linebacker, Um, Are you looking at you, Cody Barton, Um, or I'm looking at interior offensive linemen is kind of where I'd like to continue on in in rebuilding this trench.
0: So here we are. We, you know, we talked earlier about how it was too (laughs) soon and and that center board is unchanged. Um, Now you're talking about Whipler, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, Ola Watimi uh, from Michigan, um, Alex Forsyth, who you said uh, you got me on him early. Out of Oregon, I said he was a, a rookie starter. The first piece of tape I watched um, featured him from the center position, pulling off tackle and then getting out there so quick, I had to watch the play over five or six times. Um, but he's also he's a guy that would in that outside zone scheme would fit really well athleticism wise. Um, but he's also physical enough to get get after guys downfield. My new favorite draft crush is one forty nine on their board, but Joe Titman out of Wisconsin, another guy who they use a lot in the poll game and is really mobile at his size, 6'6", uh, 3'12", six, six, but also just a mauler in the run game and flattening guys at the second level. Um, but again, there's still so much depth there. Now let's look at the guards.
1: Yeah, and really quick on Olo Atami, Um, According to PFF, he has an 82.5 run block grade, um, which is one of the best in in the Big Ten behind Tipman. Um He has pass blocked on 360 snaps do you want to take a guess at how many sacks he has given up
0: i think i saw this number i i I don't think he's given up any
1: he hasn't given up one sack in 360 pass attempts uh was a stud at virginia was a stud at michigan so uh, that's where we're talking again these are such good centers. And man. just These looking guys, ahead,
0: you know, when you manage a draft, you got to look ahead. So we're at 79 now, next pick's at 114. So you're talking about watimi is rated at 126, Forsyth's at 130, Tippmann's yeah. at 149. You could say, okay, we like one we of those guys. Mm-hmm. One of them is going to be there at the next pick.
1: Yep, any of those three are there, I'm taking. So guards.
0: I know there's, so, a, there's a guy there that we both love that according to their simulator would be a reach. But Andrew yeah. Voorhees out of USC, really athletic, uh, big, long guard. Um, is it 124 on their board, and we're sitting at 79?
1: Yeah, we're not getting paid by PFN for this thing. Um, I love <laughs> PFN. They're the way to go, in my opinion, on this, this whole we're thing. We're going to
0: take advantage of some of their rankings because there's I a know. guy that I'm eyeing with the next day. Yes, pick.
1: I know you are. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, this is the one where – one of probably three or four players and I'm like I very don't under I really don't understand why he's ranked that that much Yeah, I think there's a legitimate shot Vorhees might go late second early third. You're talking about an all-american um, Guard that has played center um, Has played guard this year um, Did you notice that USC got the crap beat out of them by a physical Utah team in the Pac-12 championship? Yeah, do you know that Andrew Voorhees did not play in that game? Hmm. Uh, could be a coincidence, could be not. I choose to think that might have been a big reason why Caleb Williams was running for his life because Voorhees has the experience. Uh, he has the versatility to where maybe we do get unlucky with our centers um, or there's a guy that John Schneider or we don't like necessarily. Yeah, That's fine. We'll move Voorhees over to center and we'll go get a guard.
0: He's you know? even played left tackle. He's he's that guy that's played yeah. everything. Yeah, he's 6'6", six, six, long,
1: and and when you're in the McVay scheme, typically you want mountains of t- as tackles, and then you want agile, maybe even slightly undersized guards and centers. That way with the zone blocking scheme, you can be mobile and get to the second level. And Voorhees could be that guy. He fits that profile with the flexibility of playing all these different positions.
0: Yeah.
1: That's that's personally where I would love to go. I know we haven't looked at um linebackers yet. Uh, but that that'd be the other third place I'd be looking
0: and looking ahead so we're at 79 we're dropped down to 114 after that and then we have two picks kind of grouped together at 144 and 148 so um, let's go Voorhees here because we both agree that he can be uh, a guy that can start as a rookie and I don't think there's any I think everyone agrees that Gabe Jackson is probably going to be a cap casualty this offseason
1: yeah Voorhees is taking over for Jackson that would be the mindset I'd go into
0: it Uh, is Phil Haynes signed for another year or is he on the last year of his his in the last year okay um, he's been better than than Jackson, but I don't think it's been mm-hmm. that big of an upgrade when he's been in the game. So now we have a guard, which was a huge um, desire of both of ours coming into this thing. Mm-hmm. We look back at the center rankings and it's dried up significantly. Mm-hmm. Oluwotimi is still there. Uh, he's ranked 126. We're sitting at pick 114. All our other guys, Tippman's gone. Forsythe is yeah. gone. Do you take Oluwotimi here? Because the drop-off after him is significant.
1: Yes, because I have I don't have a center right now on my roster. Yeah. So if I don't have Phil Haynes and if I don't have Austin Blythe, my center at this moment in time as of 25 minutes ago in, in the draft terms is Voorhees when I would like him to be taking over for Jackson. So I'm going to take, personally, I'm a big fan of Good. Um, And I think he is an immediate starter.
0: And it's also reacting to the draft because you can see the run here at 107, Alex Forsyth goes to the Carolina Panthers. Uh at 108, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas goes to San Francisco. And then my guy Joe Tipman goes 111 to the Jags. So when you sense those runs happening, sometimes it can change it can change your plan. And you have to be yeah. able to feel how the draft is going.
1: Yeah. And and to be honest, I, I would think that Titman and and uh Oluwatami would go before Forsyth would go. I think that their tape's a little bit more um, juicy to kind of what scouts are looking for in terms of the NFL. But in this situation, I'm happy with all three of those guys.
0: Okay. Uh, now we have four picks in a, in a, or two picks in a five pick range 144 mm-hmm. and 148. Um, there was something I wanted to look at. I want to readdress, I want to get back to safety at some point because I do think uh, they need to add a young player. But we haven't added anyone to the linebacker core. And regardless of whether they stay in the 3-4 or go 4-3, um, at minimum, even if Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton are, are day one starters next year, the drop-off from those guys is even more significant. When Tanner Mews had to come in and play uh, in Jordan Brooks's place and, and actually was running around hitting guys, it was kind of fun to watch. He was moving forward that whole time was he was in there. The former, the former safety, yeah. Um, and and Cody Barton's been a lightning rod. Like some people think that he's playing much much better than the perception is the last month or so. Uh, other people just just love to beat up on him. Um, this is where I said I would take advantage of their their rankings because at, early in the season this kid was even showing up in some late first round mocks. I think he's going to do really well at the combine. Um, and I watched him. I watched him day in day out this year play for Washington State as a transfer from Nevada. Dan Henley. Outside linebacker. Uh, I just feel like he uh, doesn't have his height and weight listed here. I, know, I, interesting. I want to say 6'2". Let me see if we can find this. For our listeners, this is this is scintillating podcasting right here. Watching, uh, listening to it. No, speaker. he's an
1: all-American, uh, all-American type of linebacker, all-conference type of linebacker. Was up, 6-2, 232.
0: The yeah, he's just what he jumps off the off the screen. He's dynamic. He's quick. He's fast. He's physical. He can cover. He can go sideline to sideline. He can get after the quarterback. He's versatile. I think you can use him in a number of positions. He's exactly what they do not have on the roster right now.
1: What would you say his size was again? Sorry.
0: 6'2", 232. He's actually a little bigger than I thought. I thought he was like 220. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you're talking about a guy that, you know, when I look at him, I see a lot of versatility, rushing the passer, dropping back in coverage, playing traditional linebacker stuff, things that a Cody Barton shouldn't be asked to do and things that a Jordan Brooks should be asked to do that he hasn't quite done yet. But you're talking about a guy that's almost – uh about 15 pounds heavier than Jamal Adams and an inch taller. Like it's not that far off from a body perspective of what you're seeing. And he is very explosive. I see some Jamal Adams type stuff in that box, but from more of a linebacker perspective, and you don't know what kind of player you're going to get from Jamal Adams anymore. Um, And you've got to think about Ryan Neal, Neal getting re-signed as well. And so even if you re-sign Neal and you kind of like, Oh, we'll figure out something to do with Jamal Adams. You could do that. Or you could have, Henley be kind of that crazy wild card pass rush slash linebacker if as long as Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks are still getting snaps, he you upgrades Henley anywhere.
0: Yeah, he upgrades them as a tackler, um, just a really sure tackler. Uh, when he gets to you, he hits you, and you feel it, and you remember it. Um, I just really we like need that. We need to get tougher. I like his all around game, and then also when I when I do these mocks and simulations, as I get later in these drafts. It's not so much about the precise player. I happen to like this player. Um, Also, as you get deeper into the draft this early in the season, there's not as much familiarity. I'm almost looking more for um, examples, right? Like this would be a good time to add an athletic linebacker, or this would be a good time to add a safety or a guy that can help on special teams or another skill position guy. Um,
1: And that goes back to like we were talking about, like I believe in our second first round pick at pick 15, we had a shot to take Noah Sewell. Yeah. Good player. Really good player. Yeah.
0: Fits, a, fits, he, a, fits what most people would agree is a more pressing need than another corner.
1: Yeah, which I totally understand. But in my opinion, I'd rather get a stud number two corner and get a player in Henley who was just as good as Sewell this year. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't have the name recognition, but is just as good. And I'm getting him. I mean, we're in the fifth round now, I believe. Yeah. Um, we're talking about a four-round difference, and I don't think there's a four-round difference between that player. It's It's interesting. This is not that far different than fantasy football. You know, you're trying to find yeah. value at the position that you're in. Yeah, I can get this player, but is this the best of value at this position? Because you are in a spot where you're trying to get depth while maybe trying to hit one or two franchise players. Yeah. And that's where I think Henley can be more valuable at pick 145 or one, I'm sorry, 148 than Noah Sua at pick 15.
0: Yeah. All right, so we're at pick 148. We only have two picks left. Um, so I think we're they don't show the rounds here, the Solanoia. I think the Seahawks don't have a sixth this year, right? Right. Nope. So this is their second, fifth round pick, and then they have a seventh. Um here's the consensus um all positions big board, or just going off your own board at this range in the fifth round. Is there anything that we don't haven't addressed that you see? I don't see a lot of skill position in this little lumping right here, which is interesting to me.
1: No, no. And you're kind of looking at what our philosophy was going into this thing. We wanted to fix the trenches. And I think that if we didn't fix the trenches, we took every shot we had at it to make it better. Yeah. We're probably going to lose our job in the next three years because it didn't work <laughs> out. But in my opinion, I think we created an immediate middle-of-the-road defense with a bunch of rookies um, in the trenches. And then we also went out and we gave Gino what we think is a, maybe another second more time to throw. Um, and we might've given Ken Walker a little bit more room to wiggle with in the inside or Rashad Penny. And so now you've got two picks left. I think you're just kind of looking at, Hey, do we have a glaring need in the late end of the draft that could, we could get some help with? And if not, then let's just go add talent. It's not, it's never bad to add talent and you'll figure out where to play them later on.
0: You like Parker Washington wide receiver yes. out of Penn state 510, two Oh seven. Um, he's right in this range.
1: Yeah, uh, you're talking about a very prototypical number three receiver that plays like a number one receiver out at Penn State and on a team that runs the ball a lot. Classic. You're going to see him in the Rose Bowl. He'll probably only get four or five balls thrown his way. I guarantee you he's going to make one or two splash plays. And that'll be fascinating to see a corner we didn't talk about. Clark Phillips, the third, um, is a tremendous corner out of Utah. Um, Really, really good. Probably the second best corner in the Pac-12 behind Gonzalez statistically and just from the tape. He's just a little bit smaller, but that's a guy that's going to be matched up on him. And if Parker Washington has a good game in the Rose Bowl against Phillips, he's going to move up into the fourth or fifth round. But for now, this is a guy that's another yak player. This is a guy that could potentially catch punt returns uh, and kick returns for you, which those are important things the Seahawks have not really addressed in the last few years. I don't know about you. I don't really want Tyler Lockett returning any types of kicks anymore. I think he's become too valuable as a receiver. And yeah. We're kind of in the climax of of his of his career. I think everything here on out might be a slow, hopefully a slow decline, just considering age and contract and stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and so if you take a flyer on a guy like Parker Washington, I really like that. That's a it's a home run threat. Um, and he might even eventually become something that might allow you to put lock it as a as the slot and, and save his body a little bit more.
0: You touched on something that I think has been lacking uh, on special teams from the Seahawks for a couple of years, and we've seen it uh, in the last couple of weeks. What a difference someone dynamic in the kick return yeah, game exactly. can make. Um, is there anyone at the running back position here that you see that also can... I know you like Deuce Vaughn. He's a smaller back, doesn't really fit the, the typical Seahawk mode. I, I don't know if he returns kicks or not, um, is there anyone at, at either wide receiver or running back that you think could be a return specialist at least as a rookie that could add some value to this roster?
1: Yeah, if you want to go the safe safest route, I'd probably think uh, Parker Washington if you're winning, if you want a, like a special team starter, I would go Parker Washington. If you want to add a guy that has some DK qualities, Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, mm-hmm. same college. They're actually not that far off in their size when they played. If you're looking, was it 6'2, Yep. So a little bit smaller, um, but a guy that plays very similar in that physical um, number one receiver type. But that's also at Ole Miss where they don't throw the ball very much, yeah. and so you're you're not seeing everything you want to see. Deuce Vaughn, I'm a stu- I'm a I'm a big fan of this guy. Um, has the heart of a of a Marshawn Lynch, tries to run like Marshawn Lynch, um, but doesn't have necessarily the body for it. I believe he is five six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're you're asking for an injury there, but there might not be a player that looks as much as Darren Sproles as Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Same school. It's just fascinating. That's his to see hero. These yeah. Guys. Same body. Same school. They went to both have basically carried their teams in a big 12 championship game as a huge underdog to a big bowl game. Like it's just very interesting to see Sproles dropped a 35 nothing burger on my Oklahoma Sooners way back in the day. (laughs) And Darren Sproles changed the chargers. He made them a top tier special teams. And then he became a great scat back, a third down back. And then he became a great running back when he needed to be in San Diego and then New Orleans and Philadelphia and as a receiving option. So that's a guy that I think I could probably get in my last pick uh,
0: of the draft. But a couple of backs on here that I, that that I kind of like because they're bigger. I I think if you're looking, if they don't bring Penny back, even if they do possibly, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I feel like if you, if you're looking long-term, someone to pair with Ken Walker, what we lack is that physical big back. that can kind of get that short yardage, um, that extra yards. Um, mm-hmm. Tavian Thomas, Utah. Uh, mm-hmm. we've watched him here in the Pac 12. Um, kind of fits that mold. Chris Rodriguez, Kentucky. Um,
1: that's that's your big back right there, Rodriguez, if that's what you're looking for. And he is he at Kentucky with Will Levis is running the Rams scheme. Not very well, but they are running that scheme.
0: Well, and they're going to, yeah. So much so that uh, the Rams offensive coordinator, who was there last year at Kentucky, actually left the Rams this week to go back to Kentucky again. Right. Um, Fixed the problem. Yeah. Uh, and, and he made a difference. He he missed some games. He was suspended, I think, earlier in the year. Um, And when he came back, he really made a difference in that offense. Unfortunately, yeah. Will Levis was banged up at that time, so they couldn't get the yes. most out of it. Um, I Man, I still, it's tough for me to go running back there. I think normally this would have been a really cool spot. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Um, Let's talk quarterback. (laughs) Sorry for the long pause there. It's just, you know, I, I wanted to avoid the quarterback conversation, but you can't. If they, if they failed to bring back, and there was one report six weeks ago that they were also interested in bringing Drew Block back, just, just bringing their quarterback room back. That's intriguing to me, but, if, if you're looking for a young guy to possibly groom or be a backup and a guy that you can win with if Gino were to go down, and and this is fresh in my mind because we just saw what happened with Brock Purdy, mm-hmm. a guy who was the last pick in the draft last year, who I watched play at Iowa State against the Cougars as a freshman in the Aloha Bowl. Didn't think he was that impressive. Had a knock as a guy that didn't have a good arm, but he has all the other pieces in the place legibles. to be a quarterback in the NFL. So many of the guys that we would have been talking about in this range that had appealed to us have either entered the portal and are looking to transfer rather than go pro or have just announced they're going to stay in school. Guys like Grayson McCall, guys like Devin Leary, guys like Sam Hartman that I I just did not think in any way, shape, or form were going to be staying in school. Are any of these guys here appealing to you at all? There's Tanner McKee who at one time was talked as a potential first-round pick out of Stanford. Uh, Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue, Jake Hayner, who we just saw in the Jimmy Kimmel, LA bowl yesterday, uh, carve up the Cougs. Um, any of these guys have any appeal to you here? Are you tempted to go quarterback in the, in the fifth round at all?
1: Probably not with any of these guys, you know, it's really is fascinating, this NIL era that we're in, you know, the, in my opinion, if you don't take a quarterback in the first round of this draft, I don't think you're using good value with your pick if you take a quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, Hendon Hooker is the interesting one, but that's you're you're talking about at a minimum a one year redshirt. Yeah. Um,
0: and he uh, went, he went top you know, of the second round in this one.
1: Yeah, Hall from BYU. If he was here as a late fifth round pick, I I think that would be something I'd probably say. Hey, I'll throw a flyer if I don't have to pay Drew Lock six or seven million dollars to be a, a backup, um, and I can get a guy for a million bucks basically if even that. At that pick. Yeah. Um, but he's not here. Uh, Tanner McKee, he has all the tools. He's got the arm, he's got the size. Um, he's a little bit older. Uh, he's already done his mission. I believe, if I'm correct, he was in the same class as Trevor Lawrence. Mm. Um, but because of his mission, he's a little bit behind. Um, but they were battling for top quarterback status. Unfortunately for him, Stanford has fallen off of the map, you know. Mm. uh, it's not too long ago, 10 years ago, they were one of the four or five best programs in college football. Uh, but as we saw Shaw, the head coach, he kind of checked out. Just saying. Yeah. Um, and it, and it then might, literally, yeah. they literally checked out. and <laughs> Yep. Program might have just checked out and Tanner chose the wrong place to go. Jake Hanger, he's a gunslinger, man. He's tiny. He doesn't have as strong of his arms as I would like, but uh, he's got a little bit of the – a little bit of Gardner Minshew to him okay. um, that I really like. Uh, or they could eight, just
0: sign Gardner Minshew and have him be the when <laughs> Yeah. You know, we're,
1: we don't need to talk about it today, but there is a, there is a, a path of what do you do if, if you sign Gino to a one-year deal and someone throws some nice draft capital at you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, a Gardner Minshew would be a great fit for, for Seattle. Uh, I really like, uh, Aiden O'Connell, he's a gun. He's a kind of a dude that just drops back and throws the ball 50 times a game. You know, are any of these guys in a good spot to start if there's an injury next year? No, honestly, I'd probably rather spend the five or 6 million on drew lock and try and get by. If we're trying to make the playoffs next year or compete for division, but you're talking about any of these guys that are taken here. You're talking about three years down the
0: road. I think the Seahawks show have shown that's their preference. I think if, if, you know, when they had Russell Wilson, the Iron Man here, who never missed a snap, and they wanted to save a little money on their roster, they would have gone rookie quarterback backup then. But they kept bringing Geno Smith back and paying him solid veteran backup money. So, uh, yeah. It worked out. It feels like um, Parker Washington is a guy that we both agree on here. I think he 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 becomes your clear number three receiver right off the bat, and a guy that's got some versatility on special teams as well. And and maybe even, uh, even though he's that he's not that big, um, might be a little bit more of an outside guy that can allow Lockett to move into the slot a little bit more. Yeah.
1: The, the height is not necessarily there. The weight is pretty, is pretty good there for his size. Um, and again, you're talking about a fifth round pick and a guy that's going to start at possibly three different positions for you. He third receiver punt and kick return
0: physically. The first time I watched him, he kind of, kind of had some Doug Baldwin to him. Ooh.
1: Yeah. A okay. Bit. Now that you say that, Ooh, yeah, there's, there is some of that there. craftiness, yeah. um,
0: Really you know, nice release. Good footwork.
1: Really like the idea of him running across the middle of the field.
0: All right, let's go, Parker Washington here, and that's gonna lead us leave us with our seventh round pick at one seventy nine. Oh, unfortunately, I was gonna go back to safety, a guy that I actually like went one pick ahead of us. Mm-hmm. The Lions sniped Jalen Carley's from Missouri, uh, one pick ahead of us. Uh, let's look at safety though, just because that's a position that always makes sense in the seventh round. The Seahawks have, have done this quite a bit in late rounds over the years, because they can be guys on special teams um, and players that they can develop. Um, before I do that, let's just look at the overall board here, first of all. Anyone that stands out to you there. And in the seventh round, it's, this is where like I'm fine with not even looking at positional need. Like Even if you're being redundant, um, just take the best guy there, the most talented guy, the guy you think has the best chance to be an NFL player. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think for me, like we're talking about, if you're looking for a, a healthy third and goal, um, goal line, third and short back, fourth and short back, like you talked about Thomas from Utah. Yeah. Um, I like Kenny Logan Jr. Um, I like adding more depth at the linebacker position with Deshaun Pace. Those are guys that honestly probably will get drafted, that in this situation are looking like there's a chance they might not you're looking at Clayton Tune, a gunslinger, Ronnie Bell. You know we're talking we just talked about a receiver we liked. I yeah. really like Ronnie Bell as well. Um I'm
0: surprised to see Cade Stover here. He's a nice-looking pass-catching tight end out of Ohio State. 6'4", 255, really nice hands.
1: Oh, yeah. I honestly um he's been a go-to for Stroud when things get tough. Um you you know how I feel about CJ Stroud. Um he's my number 1 quarterback. Yeah. I'm still even with my infatuation with Anthony Richardson. If I'm drafting a quarterback and I want to win a Super Bowl in the next two years, I'm taking C.J. Stroud. Just I see a lot of of really good stuff out of him. I see some J- Joe Burrow qual- qualities. And when the going gets tough, he looks for Marvin Harrison Jr. or Cade Stover. And we kind of go back to it. Noah Fant and is a free agent after next season. Will Disley has an easy out after next season's contract. Yeah. He, he does have one this year, but it's not as you know. Uh, beneficial to the team and by then who knows what that looks like he'd be in the final year of his deal so that would not be a bad choice Um, I know some people are really high on Parkinson uh, just haven't seen a ton there that makes me feel like oh this is a guy we have to keep we can't draft a great tight end from from Ohio State Um, but yeah that's a guy I really like Uh, I think kind of like what I talked about I think you're you're in a good spot where if there's something that sticks out while maybe having a little bit of an eye on tomorrow, you know you want to have yeah. an eye on today and an eye on tomorrow. I would be looking at potentially linebacker, tight end, and then I know uh, nobody wants to talk about it, but uh, Jason Myers is a free agent. I would, as great as he's been this year, I I'm a little nervous about what he would cost, and I don't know if Noah Ruggles is still there.
0: He is, he is the is. consensus best kicker in the draft. Noah Ruggles, six-two, one ninety, out of Ohio State. Um, I he do, will get
1: drafted. He will not, he will not not okay. get drafted. So
0: I like the idea of Tavian Thomas here, but I also think that you can get a guy, uh, cause it's hard to see the Seahawks not taking a, a running back when they have this many picks. Mm-hmm. You can also get a guy in undrafted free agency that can, that can fill that role. And maybe he doesn't even get drafted and he slips out mm-hmm. of this thing. Um, <laughs> I just think from a, from a roster building standpoint, as good as Jason Myers has been this year, and he's been very good. Mm-hmm. Um, he is going to be expensive to bring back once again. Cap space is going to be at a premium. There are going to be more pressing needs. Maybe it is time to be a little more forward thinking and take the best kicker in the draft in the seventh round. Guy that can hold that position down. We've seen other teams have success doing it. Trusting young kickers. These guys come out. They've nobody's kicked in more high pressure and big game moments than Noah Ruggles at Ohio State. Let's take a kicker here.
1: Yeah. No, uh, Jason Meyer is going to cost at least $5 million a year in free agency. Um, And kickers are just like bullpens. They're untrustworthy.
0: Yeah. So here's our final tally. Let me go here. I think this can take a little more full screen. There we go. So uh, in the first round, pick number three. And by the way, this just in um, (laughs) the Arizona Cardinals couldn't even do us a favor today. today. The Denver Broncos led by Brett Ripien beat the Trace McSorley-led Arizona Cardinals today. Uh, so the Broncos finally end their losing streak. They get their fourth win. Um, and so this is... Way to go, Russell Wilson. <laughs> oops, my bad. This is probably uh, pretty accurate. The Seahawks pick in three. They get Will Anderson at three. The edge out of Alabama at 15. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon. At 34, Kalijah Kansi, uh, undersized but really dynamic, penetrating defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. At 48, the opposite of Kansi, Siaki Ika, uh, 358-pound behemoth run-stuffing defensive tackle. At 79, we address the interior offensive line, Andrew Voorhees, one of the best guards in the draft, and a guy with some versatility. At 114, uh, how do you pronounce that first name? I'm going like, to let you take uh, the kid out of Michigan. <laughs> I'm not good at it either. Let's just say Oluwatami is yeah, his last Oluwotami. name. Yeah, uh, oh, we'll call him oh, out of Michigan, yeah. uh, one of the best centers in the draft, a guy that can play as a rookie at 144. One of my draft crushes, Dan Henley, really dynamic, quick, explosive outside linebacker at 148. Parker Washington, uh, outside wide receiver, Penn State, and at number 179, best kicker in the draft at Ohio State, uh, Noah Ruggles. And I just, plus, I just love the name. Um, what I like about this draft is each of these players, um, many of these players are unique. They've also all played at big programs, which is something we've seen Carol and Schneider tend towards these last couple of years. That's become a priority for them. Guys that have played a lot of football guys that have taken a lot of snaps and big moments and played against the best um, where the evaluation margin for error just isn't as, as thin. Um, And you've also checked all the boxes. If the, the only thing we didn't get here that I don't see them getting through draft weekend without acquiring is a safety. We could have gone Skinner at 34 and you still get gotten Ika at 48. Would you now looking at this, would you have preferred that because Skinner was your guy or are you happy with what we got?
1: Under the assumption that I re-sign Neil and I cut Adams and Diggs and I get $24 million plus Skinner, and then I guess of that twenty four million, probably at least ten or twelve of that goes to Neil. So if you told me, hey, you get Skinner plus ten million, twelve million dollars, or can't or a, can- or a can- see who's the best defensive tackle in college football this year in terms of statistics, that's a that's a really tight one. Um yeah. I'm a big fan of Skinner, but looking at this right now, like I wanted to fix the defensive line. And I feel like you and I fix the defensive line. We did it in terms not just in terms of a, <laughs> of rush defense, but also of adding two guys that are going to go and get a minimum of, and can I think Cancy's is the guy that's going to get you five to seven or eight sacks a year from the defensive tackle position, which is fantastic. And then Will Anderson for me is a shoe in baseline, 12 sacks a year kind of guy in his rookie year. And he might even have a ceiling of an 18 to 19 type of sack guy. And so, um, we've made it to where now you can't focus on Nuosu Um, and Ika. You're not going to move him and you can't double Kansi cause you got Ika is going to push his guy right into the quarterback and stuff. And so I really think we really upgraded the front line and you look at this draft. This is nine picks. I can make a very, uh, I think strong case that Seattle just acquired nine starters on the 2023
0: Seahawks. Yeah. And I agree. And I, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking people are going to, you know the skeptical fans is going to say, "You can't, you can't start five rookies on defense. Or are going to get shredded? Are they? Is it is it going to be any, any worse, worse than what it's been? So, and and they're not all going to play eighty percent of the snaps as rookies. These are guys that see. is going to be a rotational guy for sure, and mm-hmm. Eek is probably going to be more of a situational player too. Um, but you're talking about building a defense now around two long lockdown corners that that are going to allow you to play more man." You're talking about a dynamic top of the draft. What most scouts believe is a can't miss uh, game changing type edge coming off the edge to mix in with Nuosu and Taylor and Mafe mm-hmm. and Sheldon Robinson coming back potentially next year. And even Tyreek Smith at Ohio state, who's spent his whole rookie year on, uh, on IR. Um, that's a lot of rotational depth, um, And then your interior offensive line. I can make the same argument. You take a guy as experienced and talented as Voorhees and Oluwatomi. can it be any worse than Gabe Jackson and Austin Blythe? They're going to make rookie mistakes, but physically they may make up for it and give you an opportunity to get that running game going. Um,
1: Yeah, you can make a case that's the best center in college football and the best guard in college football. Yeah,
0: but it's a fun draft. I think we just fixed the Seahawks in an hour and a half. I'll submit this uh, to John Schneider next time I see him. I'll hand this over to him and, uh, along with our resumes. Yeah. Where's the Super Bowl at next year? Where are we going? <laughs> well, this was fun, man. Uh, hour and a half. Uh, that's about, sounds about right. Yeah. I think. Um, but again, if, if you guys are into this, those of you listening and, and if you want to watch and you want the visual, um, again, go to my Twitter at Seahawks forever, find the link, uh, or go to my, my, um, YouTube page. Um, uh, we've talked about kind of, taking the field goals YouTube page out of mothballs and getting that fired up again. But you can go to mine. It's It has field goals on it, but it's uh, just look up Dan Vien's V-I-E-N-S on YouTube. Uh, and if, if you like playing with these simulators, in the time that we did this one draft, because we had talked our way through it, uh, you can do about 20 probably. It's uh it's a lot of fun and it's very, very, very addicting. And it's gotten to the point where I've done so many now, it's like I need to take a week off. I need to let the draft standings switch up a little bit. I need to let their big board maybe more than a week. Um, because it just becomes the same thing over and over again. But this was a lot of fun. Michael Thompson of Twelfth Man Rising. Um, he will be uh joining me again after the season is over when there are a lot more knowns. And uh I'll be leaning on you if you don't mind through the 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 draft process this year. This is gonna be I have always enjoyed the senior bowl, especially since they started televising all the practices and really making it a big deal. I think knowing we have all these picks, this is going to be the most fun watching the senior bowl because we're going to know, geez, five, six, seven guys in this game are going to be future Seahawks. Um, So thanks for hopping on, man. This is a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Absolute pleasure. Uh, exciting to see this is probably the most important draft for Seahawks since they took Okun and Earl Thomas and that worked out pretty well for him uh, a decade plus ago but uh, yeah I love this draft super excited and uh Merry Christmas, man.
0: Hey, you too. Thanks for listening, everybody. I am Dan Viennes. You can follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Uh, check out Michael Thompson also at 12th Man Rising. And uh, don't forget to read field goals, all sorts of good stuff up there. Uh, Dana and I are going to get together in a couple of days, and we're just basically going to talk about what do what these last three games look like. After everything shakes out this weekend, we'll know where the Seahawks stand as far as Uh, playoff odds. We'll play around with the ESPN playoff machine some different scenarios and see how realistic or unrealistic it looks um, on whether or not they can make the playoffs and also talk about whether making the playoffs or not is a good thing or a bad thing and how it might affect their overall development as they get through this this little two-year rebuild. Thanks again to Michael Thompson. I am Dan. We'll see you in a couple of days. Thanks for listening to Field Goals.